Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Father God, we thank You for this morning that we get to be sisterhood. And Lord, I just pray for every girl who has gathered this morning, that You will bless her and her home and her household. For every um, gentleman who has been part of setting up and serving this morning, we pray for them. And Lord, I commit this Word to You. We commit the Word to You and I pray, Father God, it will resonate in hearts in Your Name. Amen. All right, so um, I've got a message here. I've just entitled, entitled it, Let's Bring It to Completion. Let's bring it to completion. So just by way of introduction, do you know what I really, I think that key to um, the colourful threads in our lives coming together. So remember we started the front end of the year when I opened up and started teaching about the colourful threads of our lives. I think for the colourful threads of our lives to come together, I think for the art of reconciliation to be part of our landscape, again, can I remind us that that is where I felt for us to position colour this year, talking about the art of reconciliation. I think key to the art of friendship and community and cause which again is the current sort of theme and language that we're camped under. I think all of those things, the key to them is knowing what fuels and feeds our lives. Key to all of that is knowing what fuels and feeds our lives. And I think there is no better place to look for wisdom on that than to Jesus and to one of the great living lessons that He exposed His disciples or His crew to. So I'm gonna do that this morning. And so again, in context of revival, in context of revival, because that is a language that is, that it is present within the landscape in context of that, in context of the pivotal season that we find ourselves in as a church, in context, I believe, of the hunger that is evident within so many within Hillsong Church at the moment. There is a hunger for the presence of God. There is a hunger for the power of God. There is a leaning in like never before, perhaps. So in context of all of those things, I just wanna share a simple thought that was quickened to me, actually, um, in that colour season, flying from London down to the Cape Town Conference, um, a thought that... I ended up sharing with the teams that I met with who were facilitating the conferences in Cape Town and London and, and Kiev. Um, and a thought that I actually believe I need to bring to this table. And it's just a small thought, it's a simple thought, but again with everything, if we allow what is simple to resonate, it can become profound, amen? So we're gonna do that in Jesus' Name. So John's Gospel, I might put my glasses on, got a bit of a glare happening here. So praise the Lord, how are they? Perfect, right. My $75 glasses. If you want to know, online, buy them from Sweden, 75 bucks. Seriously. And these are two years old. They've lasted. So what the heck? I'm not supposed to say that. Praise the Lord. All right, John's Gospel. Everyone say John's Gospel. 
Okay, it records an exchange, an exchange, a conversation, an exchange that fuels, fueled life, begat life, um, an exchange that I believe marked um, a historic moment for women in the landscape of time and history, and something, an exchange that unleashed an outpouring of salvation. So in a nutshell, and you'll know the story already, in a nutshell, Jesus sat down at a well to rest. Okay, many of you are with me already. You know where I'm going with this. But nevertheless, listen, all right? Because the whole idea, the whole, I think the whole um, reality of the body of Christ right now, the whole reality of our church is nothing is new under the sun. We have heard Scripture taught again and again and again. But I believe what God is doing as His Spirit is poured out in these days, He's actually peeling back the layers. He's helping us see the wonder and the truth and the dynamic that is within every truth, every story, every account. So Jesus, again in a nutshell, sits down at a well to rest. The disciples, as you know, go in search of food. When they come back, they find Him basically breaking every rule. They went in search of food and then they came back and here is their, um, their, their master, their teacher, their friend, their saviour, breaking every single rule. He is breaking cultural rules and He is breaking religious rules. And then He basically teaches them a principle and a truth. He teaches them what sustains and feeds and energises him, okay? So I'm gonna read it to you. It's a mighty passage of Scripture, as in long, but um, I'm gonna do my best to read it to you in Jesus' Name, all right? So listen up, girls. Are you comfortable? All locations. Are you comfortable? Have a little wiggle. Get comfortable in Jesus' Name, right? Here we go. John chapter four, and I'm reading from, again, the Passion Translation. And so verse five, it says, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sika near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, everyone say wearied. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, verse nine, surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Surprised, everyone say surprised. Got it. Verse 10, Jesus replied, "Mm, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give to you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. So again, pause here with me television screen people. Hallelujah, amen. He replies, if you only knew. In life, if we only knew the gifts that God has given us, if we only knew. All right, it continues, verse 11. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Where do you find this living water? Do you really think, verse 12, do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Verse 13, and Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. Pause here with me. That is a profound promise. 
That is no small promise. He says, for when you drink the water that I give you, it becomes, everyone say becomes. There's a journey of discovery here. It becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. Verse 15, the woman replied, let me drink the water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. She obviously doesn't understand. So then Jesus changes tact here a little bit. So Jesus said to her, verse 16, Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. She replies, but I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have actually told the truth. Verse 19, the woman said, "Mm, you must be a prophet. So tell me this. She immediately goes into a narrative that is religious. She perceives he's a prophet. "Mm, You must be a prophet. So tell me, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. Isn't that, isn't that typical of conversation? You have, an, you have an encounter and a conversation and you hit, hit a soft spot and then suddenly people realise, oh, oh, this is religious. And then they go into their narrative, their rhetoric of what they know. Jesus is after way more than that. So Jesus responded, verse 21, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come already when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Verse 22, Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. Verse 23, But from here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and He longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore Him in the realm of the Spirit and in truth. So verse 25, the woman said, this is all so confusing. This is all so confusing. But I do know, at least she knew what she did know. This is all so confusing. But I do know that the Anointed One is coming, the true Messiah. And when He comes, He will tell us everything we need to know. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer, sweetheart. I added that. (laughs) You don't have to wait any longer. Do you know what? There's gonna be people who are gonna listen to this passage of Scripture, regardless of what I say around it. And they're gonna hear that. They're gonna hear the Spirit of God saying, hey, what you're searching for, you don't have to wait any longer. He's here. And I know the nature of these rooms. Can I just pause here? I know the nature of these rooms. We sometimes don't know who's in the room. We don't know what stories are in the room. I heard a story last week in one of our other um, state locations, Sisterhood. A woman came in in a very difficult situation. And I can't share it because it's her story and it's private. It would be amiss of me to tell it. But you know what? She's needing to flee a situation. And she walked in and all she heard that morning, the words that resonated were somewhere at the back end of last Thursday, I think I said, God is safe. You need to know that God is safe. The Holy Spirit is safe. And you know what? That was fuel to her soul. So girls, when we come in here, can I just pause here? When we come in here, it's not just about us, is it? We know that to be true. I know you know that to be true. You wouldn't be here. We are carrying an atmosphere of faith and answer. And we're serving our God in the most amazing way. So verse 26, and Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you are looking for. 
Verse 27, at that moment, the disciples returned with all their food and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask Him why or what, he, what, he, what they were discussing. And then all at once, all at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one <clears throat> we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Pretty much in that moment, revelation, revelation hit her spirit and suddenly she just dropped. All at once she dropped what she was doing because the penny dropped. And then she runs as the story tells us. Verse 31, Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. I personally love their affection for their teacher. I love that they were like, mate, you need to eat something, right? <laughs> but Jesus told them, ha, don't worry about me. I have eaten a meal that you don't know about. Puzzled by this, verse 23, puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss amongst themselves, did someone else bring him food? Where did he get this meal from? Verse 34, then Jesus spoke up and said, hey, my food is to be doing the will of Him who sent me and bring it to completion. Verse 35, I'll just give it to you. I'll just give the context. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to His disciples, hey guys, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. Verse 36, I particularly love. And everyone, everyone say everyone. <clears throat> everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds, everyone say, plant spiritual seeds. And those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying that one sows a seed and another reaps a harvest. I have sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted. Many others down through time and history have laboured long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labours and reap the harvest. Verse 39, almost there girls. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told, he told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So He stayed there for another two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in Him because of His teachings. And then the Samaritans said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but we've now heard Him ourselves and are convinced that He really is the Saviour, the true Saviour of the world. Amen? Here endeth a very long passage, praise the Lord. Okay, here's the deal. If I was to apply, I'm preaching a little bit different this morning. If I was to apply the SOAP equation to this, how would it go? If I was to apply the SOAP, the S-O-A-P, all right? That's a, do you remember that from colour? Many of you may, be, may do this in your personal devotions. So it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application and Prayer. All right, and if you recall, we created these little Be The Change books that had that SOAP um, uh, uh, thing <laughs> um, printed in it, and it's a great tool. I don't know if we have any more left. Catherine, do we have any more left? Maybe, not sure, but that's a good sign that they, they went at colour. So again, if I was to apply that um, uh, equation to this passage of Scripture, which was my personal 
devotion. This is me reading the Gospel of John. I just decided to read the Gospel of John on the colour journey, all right? So this is me on the plane from London down to Cape Town, all right? How would this go for me? All right, here we go. I'm gonna give it to you. All right, everyone say Scripture. S is for Scripture, right? Scripture, all right. Here's the Scripture. Okay, I'm sharing with you girls. To be honest, the entire passage is beautiful, which is why I chose to read the whole lot to you this morning. The entire passage was beautiful, but it was verse 34 that I felt quickened. All right, it's gonna go up on the screen one more time. Verse 34, and then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of Him who sent me and bring it to completion. My food is to be doing the will of Him who sent me and bring it to completion. Keeping in mind, I'm on a plane, all right? Flying down to Cape Town. All right, the observation. All right, again on the plane, the observation. Here was my observation. Jesus was wary. I'm wary. That was my observation. Jesus was wary and He sat down to rest. I'm wary, God. I am wary. I was halfway through the Color Marathon. Perfect, fine, wonderful. Flying down to Cape Town, but knowing that the next three weeks, for example, and the rest of the year, were hectic and full on, all right? So my observation is Jesus was wary. I'm wary. Praise the Lord. All right, observation. He sits down to rest. I wanna sit down to rest. I wanna sit down to rest. Okay, girls, listen to me. I'm being ridiculous. I love what I do. I love what I do and I wouldn't change it. But sometimes the weight and responsibility of what we are each called to can weigh heavy. The weight and the responsibility of what we are all called to can weigh heavy. I'm particularly talking to our campus pastors around the country right now. The weight and the responsibility, whilst we love it and whilst it's amazing, it can weigh heavy. I don't know what weight and responsibility you might be carrying in your life. You're not all pastors. You're not all teachers in this context. I don't know what that weight of responsibility is in your life. And I dare say that if what compels you and what you're about, you might be a college student in a season of study because the calling of God has demanded that of you. You might be a business person with a revelation, etc., that you're on the earth to um, facilitate something greater than yourself. I don't know what your weight and responsibility is, but I dare say that if it's attached to anything that is eternal, it will have a weightiness about it. There will be seasons where you feel great joy and great freedom and great release, and let's do this, and there'll be seasons where you feel the weight of it, all right? Observation on the plane. His crew has gone for food. Excellent, we love food, right? Nobody is arguing that point. I'm like, yes, please can I have some more peanuts on the plane? No, but here's the deal. There's no rest to the righteous. There's no rest if we observe this Scripture, there's no rest to the righteous. A woman turns up with a need and he can't help himself. So he engages in a conversation. He doesn't pull out the too tired vibe as in I am the Son of God. Do you realise what I'm carrying? I'm sitting down here at the well. I'm tired. I just need to rest. He doesn't pull out that vibe. Instead, he engages because again, there is actually no rest to the righteous. He engages in a conversation 
and a miracle takes place. All right, how about application and prayer, the rest of soap, the A and the P, application and prayer, again on the plane. So this is my application and prayer. Bobby, talking to myself, does anyone ever talk to themselves? Amen. Hands up if you talk to yourself, all locations. Amen. Well, you know what? Talking to yourself in a good way is a good thing. Do you know what? I think a lot of self-talk, self-talk can save a lot of pain in life. So here's my application and prayer on the plane. Bobby, talking to myself, Bobby, you're allowed to be wary. Jesus was wary, you're allowed to be wary. You're allowed to take a rest. Jesus took a rest, you're allowed to take a rest. You're allowed to send out for takeout. You're allowed to, okay? But listen, you cannot switch off. You cannot switch off or switch out. You cannot. No matter how loud, how loud the flesh screams, girls, do you know what? The spirit man within that is determined by our calling and everything, the spirit man within has to speak louder. It has to speak louder. Okay, application prayer, self-talk, Bobby, on the plane. Bobby, Jesus was on a mission from the Father. He was on a mission for the Father. Do you know what? Just like we're on a mission for the Father. What we are doing in that one context I'm sharing from, that colour conference, the message of sisterhood, we're actually on a mission. Jesus was on a mission from the Father. We are actually on a mission from the Father. We have been entrusted with something amazing. And sometimes in the weariness of life or the whatever of life or whatever, Hillsong Church, we can forget this. He, Jesus did nothing outside of the Father. He was so in love with the Father. He said, everything you see me do, I do only because my Father has asked me. If you wanna see what the Father is like, look at me. He was amazing. And so, you know, again, Hillsong Church, we have been entrusted with a mission. We actually have a 21st century Latter-day mission. And that mission is to occupy this planet. Our mission, our entrusted by the Heavenly Father, so beautiful, is to occupy this space. Occupy simply means fill this space. You know, in downtown Brisbane, Michelle and Tim Andrews up there, you have been called by the grace of God to fill that space, to create an oasis in that city. In Hobart, with Rose and Kemp Medwin, you've been called to fill that space, to play a part in changing the atmosphere over Tasmania so that the Spirit of God can work. Here in the Hills District, we have certainly filled the space. If you think about our beginnings here in the fields and there was nothing out here and we have filled the space in Jesus' Name, Amen. So that is our mandate, self-talk. Application on the plane, Bobby, okay, Bobby, his, his, Jesus, his food, his energy, his sustenance, his joy, his reward was in the exchange of life and truth that he found with others. He had this moment, there was an exchange of life and truth with another. Likewise, Roberta Lee Houston, likewise, Hillsong Women, likewise, amen, our food, our energy, our sustenance, our joy, our reward is in that same exchange. Finding opportunity, making opportunity, looking for opportunity to exchange life and truth with another in Jesus' Name. And so self-talk on the plane, Bobby, you've got this. Bobby, you've got this. You have got this in Jesus' Name. 
self-talk. Bobby, share this with the girls. Share it with the girls and remind them that our food is to do the will of the One who has sent us and bring it to completion. And that is how I sat with my teams, our teams, our executive planning teams in all of those different locations. We have this big meeting, we plan it, we go through every inch of conference. It happens on all our events and conferences. But it's like I sat with them and I said, hey girls, listen, we're not just running an event. You're not running an event just for Pastor Bobby because that's her thing. We are doing the will of the Father and we are gonna, by the grace of God, bring it to completion. Can you apply this into your space? Can you apply it into what you have been entrusted with? You know, even if you're a beautiful lass, everyone say lass, <laughs> who comes here on a Thursday morning to merely be present, to bring your faith. Some of you older girls, I don't know what your world looks like now. I don't know whether you're in your retirement years or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if you play golf five days a week and come to sisterhood on the sixth. I don't know. I don't know if you're still in business or whatever you're doing. But you know what? We're part of this. And we're here to bring, we're here to bring what God has begun on the earth to completion and to not grow weary in that. And I know that you're not, amen? So again, I, I personalise for it, it for you. You know, what, what, what do you need like when, in life when things are disappointing? You know, when marriage is disappointing or, you know, a business adventure, adventure uh, no, adventure, a business venture is disappointing or any situation, you know, if you're pastoring and you're, you're in charge of, you know, a connect group or a, one of our amazing ministry departments or you're running a campus and it's disappointing because no one turns up or not enough turn up <laughs> and you're disappointed. Do you know what? We're called to bring it to completion. And that doesn't mean quit. It means to push through and to pray through and to persevere through. Because God has entrusted this thing, hey? And then I wrote an extra one here. Bobby, remind the girls that the exchange is actually precious, the exchange. If we look to that story, to that account, to that moment at that well, do you know what? Her need was met in the exchange. Her need was met. But you know what? His need was met also. Christ's need was met in that exchange of life. And that is precious. And I think every time we play a part in the exchange process, do you understand what I'm saying? It's precious to God. He loves us. He smiles on us. Amen. So, um, so I think, girls, we're actually in a season of exchange right now a season of exchange. We've got our mega prayer night coming up. It's a season of prayer in our church. So next, is it next Tuesday night already? So our mega prayer night. We're about to exchange prayer and faith for breakthrough. That's what it's about. We're gonna come in with prayer and with faith and with a spirit of authority and we're gonna exchange for breakthrough. When it comes to Heart for the House, we are in a season, we are, uh, we are about to exchange seed, hopefully all of us leaning in and contributing and being a part of the miracle story. We're gonna exchange seed for an open heaven over the earth, 
We're gonna contribute to an open heaven over the earth and open windows over your individual lives. Because seed, it is impossible for seed not to be personal. When we sow our seed into the Kingdom of God, it becomes spiritual and it translates in a miraculous way. It becomes part of a dynamic miracle story. It's spiritual, amen? It becomes, is a spiritual exchange and change happens. But you know what? It always blesses your personal life. So we're about to exchange our offering, our seed for an open heaven. An open heaven and for the windows of heaven to open a little bit wider yet again over our individual lives. And that doesn't always translate in finance. It translates in a number of miracle stories and breakthroughs. When it comes to Hillsong Conference, we're about to exchange living for a cause greater than ourselves for blessing that will affect the body of Christ and therefore the earth. It is no small thing. So, you know, as I just begin to wind this up, because I actually want to release the girls and I want our local girls to have time to, to do what they need to do at the end and for us to do what I'm going to mention in a moment. But if we just to take another glance at the Samaritan woman, there's just a few things that stood out for me. Okay, the Samaritan woman, she was in need. She was in need. Everyone say in need. You know what? Yet she remained active. She was in need, yet she remained active. I mean, she had five marriages. I mean, who knows what heartache and stigma that brought in her culture right then. So the woman was in need, but you know what? She was still active. (coughs) She was drawing water. She wasn't lying on her bed feeling sorry for herself. She was still active. She was willing. She was not only in need, but she was actually willing She was willing. She could have actually ignored the stranger in need at the well, but she didn't. She could have ignored him. She could have come, just minded her own business. She could have ignored him because culturally they were not meant to speak and religiously they were not meant to speak. So she could have done that, but she actually didn't. Another thing I see, she was inquiring, she was curious, And she was open to surprise. That's why when I read the Scripture before, I said, everyone say surprise. She was actually in the midst of her life, she was still inquiring, curious and open to surprise. She could have allowed her own reality to dictate her response, but she didn't. She engaged in the exchange, she engaged in the conversation and she drew out a miracle. Do you know what? When we stay curious, when we stay open to surprise, when we stay willing, we are drawing out the miracles. And do you know what? Miracles have to be drawn out. You know, sometimes miracles fall from the sky, but most times we draw them out. We draw them out of a situation. Another thought here I see, an observation. She remained honest and truthful. She could have denied the truth of her own life, but she didn't. And Scripture says that Jesus recognised that desire and He rewarded it. He says, you know what? You've told the truth. And she was found on the side of truth. Another, she allowed revelation to touch her. She allowed revelation to touch her and because she did, it touched others. It touched others. Amazing. And then finally, girls, I'm gonna get the team to come and join me. She became a catalyst for salvation and revival. A catalyst, actually. So in the footnotes of 
this Bible here. It says of her, it says, although unnamed, church tradition identifies the Samaritan woman to be Fatini. An internet, internet search of her name will yield many interesting stories about her post-conversion ministry, including her being named as an apostle of Jesus and her eventual martyrdom. Well, we don't like that part, but nevertheless. It goes on and it says, regardless of the validity of the extra biblical um, references, she will go down in history as the first New Testament evangelist to win a city to Christ. How amazing is that? And so you know what? As I begin to wind this up, and I'm gonna read something to you in a second. Do you know what? I just wanna exhort us. It was the simple quickening that I felt God say to me, but you know what, girls, we're not disconnected. We're actually attached. We're in this together. And I just wanna remind us of verse 34 again. Verse 34 again, which literally says, let me read it. It literally says, my food is to be doing the will of Him who sent me and bring it to completion. And I just wanna remind us of that collectively, always. I'm always gonna speak collectively and individually, that collectively our food, our joy, our sustenance, our energy, hallelujah, is to be doing what He's asked us to do. And I believe that you are, and I love you, and I honour you for it, and I thank you for it, that we're in this together. And then secondly, that we bring it to completion that we actually complete what God has begun and that we don't grow weary in that. And I know we're not, but that we don't grow weary in that. And then also in your own personal life, your own beautiful personal life, which is incredible, that um, you will know the will of God in your own life and that He will actually bring it to completion in you. Amen. You know, my husband, a lot of people get um, tripped up about the will of God. They angst over the will of God. What is the will of God? Especially young people, but then even people in their latter years can start to think, well, what am I doing now? What is the will of God for my, for my life now that I'm over 60 or 70? What do I do? It's real, right, Margaret? It's real. My husband always says, you know what? It's hard, it's, 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 it's hard to get out of the will of God when you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to love Him. Be present, turn up, stay at the post that you know to stay at. It's very difficult to fall out of the will of God because He's for us and not against us. And so if you're struggling with what is the will of God in my life and where do I fit? I, I can't tell you what it is. I can't. I can only push you to your knees and push you into the Word of God and push you to begin to listen to His Spirit, to listen to His heart for you because I don't believe personally that He wants to make it a mystery for us. Amen? Amen. All right, what I'm gonna do just to finish is I'm gonna read you a great testimony. You're gonna love it, all right? And then I want us to pray for our campus pastors. And uh, when I release the links, okay, and you're gonna do what you need to do and Donna's gonna come up here and, and help, help here. Um, I want us to actually take a moment before the service is out and I've given us actually really good time. Bobby Houston, what is that? and you, me, people. <laughs> um, I want you to gather around your campus pastors. I love these girls. We have so many campuses, I lose, I lose track of them all. 
I have trouble learning all their names and knowing their locations, all right? But I'm trying, there's so many of them. But um, I want you to pray for your campus girls. I want you to gather around them, however, which way you wanna do it. Lay hands on them and pray for them. You know, you're always praying for me and I love it. Please don't stop, okay? You're always praying for Pastor Brian and I. You're always honouring us. But I wanna honour them. They work hard. They carry the rooms. There's so many rooms. And I want us to get around them and pray for them. And this is what I want us to pray. Verse 14, that the water they drink will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding with endless life. That's what I, I wrote this down this morning, last night, late actually, midnight. I want us to pray that, that the water that they get to drink here in the hills, Kylie tomorrow, that the water that she gets to drink will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. I want you to pray, verse nine, there it is, verse nine, that they'll be surprised, that God will surprise them, that they'll have a heart that wants to be surprised, surprised by God and also surprised by the lean-in and the unity that they feel and they sense from the room that they're responsible from for. And um, I want us to pray that God will strengthen them or that they will find an uncanny new strength from serving God from doing as well. Is that all right? So do you understand those three things? I should have put them up on the screen, right? I want us to do that. Okay, before I do, I wanna read you the story up for it. We get so many praise stories, they're beautiful. Okay, so this one comes in from a woman named Trish and she's talking about um, a prayer request that she put in for a woman called Gina at Colour, all right? And we have permission to share this. So she writes, dear prayer team, that would be us, all right? That would be all of us. This is a huge thank you for your prayers and such a phenomenal praise point. So at Colour Conference 2 in Sydney this year, I submitted a prayer request for a Mildura Victorian woman named Gina, who, Gina, who was given two months to live battling stage four non-Hodgkinson lymphoma. After randomly meeting her in a Target store in Mildura, which I believe was God-ordained as I had never met her before, I offered to pray for her. Isn't that good? Target offered to pray for her. It was evident that she was angry with God, was in excruciating pain and had very little faith left, if any. She agreed for me to pray for her and then God stepped in and did what only God could do. Several days later, her husband shared her story on 3AW with radio broadcaster Neil Mitchell. God then used Neil in a phenomenal way. This is how it works, guys. Miracles are set in motion and there's a progression. There's a labyrinth of connecting dots, okay? So the health minister, so God used Neil in a phenomenal way, the radio guy. The health minister then was made aware of her case and then the government intervened and offered to send her to Boston and fully pay for the treatment, even though there was only a 20% chance of success. This in itself was an absolute miracle provision from the Lord. Just before Gina's departure for Boston, Neil Mitchell interviewed her on again the radio once again, and she gave thanks to many people who had all contributed in different ways. But she particularly said, which is an absolute miracle in itself, in the last three weeks, I have seen miracles take place. Even random people pray for me and my faith has been restored. 
Up until her departure for Boston, Gina was continually asking for prayer and she started to read a devotional book that I gave her as a gift. She took it with her and would would read it every day and she would send photos to me of the devotional book by her bed and would share how the Word was blessing her. In the meantime, back at the ranch, in the meantime, because of Gina's case, the federal government then announced that they would inject $80 million into the Peter McCallum Hospital to offer the CART therapy treatment in Australia so that no Australian should have to travel overseas to receive treatment. As Gina was going through, I know, as she, 18 million people, as Gina was going through treatment in Boston, in Boston, she pressed into God like she had never done before. God intervened and praise God, she is now cancer free, as per the attached newspaper article, which is going to go up on the screen. All right, what an absolute. This lady, Tina, goes, what an absolute delight it was to read in the article that this woman says, quote, I have never prayed so hard in my life. I held on to hope and fought like I've never fought before. So this woman writes, thank you team for your prayers. From high up in the rafters of colour, I recorded us all praying for all the prayer requests together, which included hers, to encourage her and sent it to her while she was receiving treatment in hospital. She was very encouraged indeed and overwhelmed. I also sent a few snippets of our worship time at conference and encouraged her to sing the lyrics over her life as this would be somewhat foreign to her. Furthermore, this woman's just like, oh no, she's like, on, like, she's like envisioned now. Furthermore, I would also encourage her husband, furthermore, I also encourage her husband to download the Hillsong app and or have Hillsong music playing softly in her hospital room so truth was being imparted into her whilst going through such a difficult period. Praise the Lord. Thank you once again to you all for your intercession. God has heard all our prayers and He is the almighty healer. I truly believe God is going to use Gina phenomenally now in Muldura and beyond for the extension of His Kingdom. As she returns from Boston next week, when I meet up with her again, I look forward to inviting her to join me at Colour next year and it would be her very first time. May God continue to bless you all abundantly and continue to enlarge your territories. Hallelujah! In Jesus' Name, with my deepest appreciation and thanks, Trish. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.